As I lead us in prayer tonight, listen to the words or a few words from Psalm 18. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Oh God, I pray that we would know these words to be true tonight as we come and meet with you in and through your word. We pray that we would know more of you, that we would be the kind of humble people that this Psalm 18 talks about that you would be a light and a lamp for us, that you would lighten our darkness. Because, Lord, your way is perfect and your word is true. Lord, would you be a shield and a refuge for every heart, for every soul in this room? God, would we know more of you? Would we know more of how you love us? and how you've designed for us to live in this life because of our time here. God, I pray that we would not go out of here the same way that we came, that we would be different, shaped and molded more into the image of Christ because of this time. And we ask it in Christ's name, amen. Y'all go ahead and have a seat. And thank you, worship team. <clears throat> All right, so if you are new here, welcome. Really, really good to have you. I'm Joe Slater. I'm the campus minister of RUF here at JMU, and this is one of my favorite nights of the week because I get to be with you guys. So I'm glad you're here. Uh, and I want you to meet some other wonderful folks. Staff, would you go ahead and stand up and introduce yourself really quickly? Yeah. Let's start over here. Okay, I'm Matt. I am the intern. We're not ready to talk about that. No, we're not ready to talk about that. Yeah. Y'all, Kayla's back. <laughs> Which is where Kayla was last semester. Yeah. She was off great. having a baby. This semester too. Right. In my home, so join me. <laughs> um, and I'm Emily. I am your other campus staff, and I also meet with women. I don't have a I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that we need to go in who we meet with. But anyway, thanks. Y'all go in and have a seat. Uh, and ministry team, would you stand up? And I'm not going to have you introduce yourself because there's too many of you. But But these are folks who are your peers that have said, we're signing up to love, serve, and know folks who consider RUF their ministry home. So um, if you wanna know more about RUF, wanna know more about Jesus, about Christianity, grab one of these folks, take them out to lunch, get coffee with them, and they'd love to talk with you more about that. All right, thanks, y'all can go ahead and have a seat. All right, you're gonna hear more about some things that are going on in and through RUF at the end of the time, if Kat remembers to come up here. Um, <laughs> whoa, was that low blow? Okay, sorry, Kat. 
<laughs> Sorry, Kat, um, but not. Um, you're going to hear more about, about things that we're doing, but w one of the reasons that we do those things is because we're sold out on the idea that you need to know and be known. You need community. God has not designed you or made you to do life alone. And you know that. Like life in isolation is not a, a good brand of life. So I really want to encourage you, as you hear Kat talk about some of the things that are going on, like small groups, like uh, things that we do, social activities, like a movie and discussion night that we're doing this weekend, come out to these things because that's how you're going to know and be known. And I know it takes sacrifice and I know it takes time. It takes time for all of us. But it's like anything else. What you put into it tends to be what you get out of it. So, so come out to things. The other thing we, we really are... Uh, count a priority with RUF is that we would we would serve and love and you've already heard Kat talk about that um, we'd like to do that on this campus we also like to do it in the Harrisburg community so I'm going to tell you about two things and you need to come talk with me tonight I'll announce it one more time and then we're rolling with the program um, but two things two ways you can serve after school program these are both ministries of Covenant Presbyterian Church you don't have to attend there or be a member there um, they're just doing a great job reaching out to especially to immigrant populations. So Kids Club is an outreach, a ministry to mainly Latino families. And uh, it, it's a time that... What did I say? Kids Club, sorry. A ASP is, uh, meets on Tuesdays from 3 to 5, uh, ministers mainly to Latino families and mainly to the kids. And basically what we do there is we love them. We help them with their homework. We teach them more of the scriptures so they can know God. We give them snack. We play with them. That, that's kind of the two hours. And it's wonderful. And you'll be blessed if you come. Uh, so talk to me afterward if you want to be a part of that. The other one is Kids Club. And that's Wednesday, Thursday. And if you're 50-50 on that, Thursday is the biggest need. And it's 5 to 645. If you want to know more about that, Alex, where did you go? Alex is very much a part of that. Talk to her. I've never done it. I hear great things, but 5 to 6.45. Um, again, you can talk to me either way about signing up for either of those, but we'd love for you. And both of these ministries love having college because y'all bring an energy that old folks like me don't. So please come out to these things. All right, so we're going we're to spend the next 25 or 30 minutes talking about the Bible. Why do we do that? Because God has very graciously and kindly chosen to reveal himself to us through it. He's also given to us in the scriptures, in the Bible, how we can know him and how we're supposed to live life in this world. So I really can't think of a, a better use of these next 25 or 30 minutes than talking about those things as we read about them in the scriptures. So we're going to do that. Uh, <clears throat> let me first, before, before I get into the text, let me give you kind of an overview of the Bible. So, so four kind of major overarching themes of the scripture. And, and you can think about them in terms of four words. I think they're going to be on the screen. Yep. Behind me. So think about it in terms of creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. And, and I'll explain each of those. But creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. If you want to know what the Bible's about in a very short sentence or short idea, these are four really helpful words. And again, I'll explain them. So creation, God made all things by the power of his word. He spoke everything that you see into being. 
Think about how long it takes us to make something. God spoke it. The Grand Canyon. Um, Carrie was showing me a beautiful picture from Oregon, wherever that what Bend, Oregon. Like all of it. God just spoke it into creation. And he made everything good and right and true. He made man and woman to live in perfect fellowship with himself and with each other. There was no chaos, no corruption, no cancer, no conflict, no injustice, no war, and no death. Everything was as it was supposed to be at creation. It's a state in the Hebrew language they would have called shalom. Maybe you've heard that word. Everything as it was supposed to be. But is that your experience? <laughs> it's not, is it? It's tragic because we have the fall. The man and the woman rebelled against God and brought sin, which is simply rebellion against God, brought sin into the world. And ever since, sin has plagued every human heart. And because of sin, our hearts, our minds, and our bodies have all been corrupted. We no longer want or do what is good. We rebel against God and against his good designs. We live as a law unto ourselves. Sin brought evil, death, and decay into God's good creation. And for that, we are all under the curse of sin, meaning we all suffer its effects. But we're also under the judgment of God because of that. But praise God, it doesn't stop there. Redemption. God provided a way for us to be saved from sin and death and judgment. He did this in the person of his son, Jesus. He sent Jesus to come and to live a perfect life, to die on a cross to pay the debt of our sin and to rise again so that we could be raised to new life. Jesus came to redeem us out of the mess that we had created. And part of his redeeming us is his renewing us. I want you to hear that again because that's what we're talking about tonight and that's what we're talking about the rest of the semester. Part of his redeeming us is his renewing us. So what you need to hear in that is God didn't just send his son to die on that cross to purchase a ticket out of hell, which is the judgment we were talking about. God purchased a lot more than that which is the renewing work that Jesus, by His Spirit, does in us and through us. That's really good news. Because that means the benefits that we get because of what Jesus did, we don't have to wait for, but we start experiencing them even now. So God is renewing us. What was broken in the fall, God is making new. Lastly, consummation. God's redeeming of creation has begun, but it's not fully consummated yet. One day Jesus will return and make all things right. He will come and make all things perfectly new. And on that day, Revelation tells us there'll be no more mourning or crying or pain or death. On that day, shalom will be restored. And we're moving toward that day, but we're not there yet. And so think about it this way. We live in the already, 
but not yet. We live in the already, but not yet. God's work of redemption has already begun, but it's not yet completed. That's the already and not yet. And this already and not yet can be frustrating and confusing. Frustrating because, if I'm being honest, there are a lot of days I don't feel like I'm being made new. Can you relate to that? I often don't feel like any progress is being made in my Christian walk. In fact, sometimes it feels like I'm going backward. So the question is, what hope is there for us, for you and for me in this? And then I said it's confusing because I often struggle to know what Christian immaturity even looks like. Like I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to be aiming for. I need a roadmap for this journey from redemption to consummation. And that's what we're going to be talking about this semester. I want to give you hope and I want to give you direction for this journey from redemption to consummation. Hope that God is making you new regardless of what your feelings tell you and direction as to how you and I can become more like Jesus. So Galatians 5, which is what we're going to spend the whole semester looking at, has a section called the fruit of the Spirit, which will be our roadmap this spring. I'll basically do an introduction tonight, and then everything that's going to come will take one of the fruit of the Spirit for the weeks to come. And my hope and my prayer in all of this is that because of the semester, each one of us in this room become more like Jesus. That's my hope and my prayer. I'd love for y'all to be praying that too. So let's look at the text that talks about this. Galatians 5, 13 through 26. If you have a Bible, pull it up on your phone or just look on the screen behind me. Galatians 5, 13 through 26. It, it's a broader text than I'm actually going to cover, but we'll talk about a few things from this text. And then, like I said, we're really going to zero in on, on two verses for the rest of the semester. Okay, here we go. 13 is where we'll start, and I'll get out of the way here. For you are called the freedom brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. 
Well, I want to I want to talk about just briefly about three ideas that we see here in this text. I want to talk about the war within. I want to talk about walking with the Spirit, and lastly, the fruit of the Spirit. So the war within, walking with the Spirit, and then the fruit of the Spirit. So let's start with the war within. Look back at verse 17. God's Word says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. That verse is describing the conflict that goes on in the heart of every Christian. The flesh wages war against the Spirit, and the Spirit wages war against the flesh. And, and by the way, when the Apostle Paul talks about the flesh, he's, he's not talking about our physical, bodily flesh. He's talking about our sinful nature, including our heart, mind, and will. That, that nature that was corrupted. Remember, we talked about the fall. That nature that was corrupted in the fall, and it doesn't just go away after redemption. That's our flesh. Even though God's renewing work in us has begun, we still have vestiges of the old man, the old person, living in us. So, so think of it this way. How many of you live in a place where you rent? Go ahead and put your hands up. I'm guessing every hand should go. Like, Because even if you're a JMU in a dorm, you're renting that space, <laughs> right? So who owns that house or that apartment? Yeah. Well, in a dorm, JMU, a house or an apartment? <laughs> your, your landlord does. And you have to do whatever the landlord says. He has total, he or she has total say over how many live there, where you can park, how you treat that house, what you can plant in the yard, how you paint the walls or can't paint. Maybe some of y'all just go ahead and do those things. I don't know. But, but that person, he or she, their, their voice is the most powerful voice as to how you do life in that home. But let's say a new owner comes in and buys the house. From the time that new contract gets signed, that house is under new ownership. The old landlord might hang around, but you no longer have to obey him. It might even be habit to listen to his voice, but he no longer has authority over you. It's a lot like that. That's what we're talking about here. If you're in Christ, that's what the flesh is. Your flesh is your old landlord. No longer has authority or power. It used to be the most powerful voice in your life. The flesh did, not your landlord. But, but it is that no more. You're under new ownership. You belong to God. And His Spirit lives in you. And His voice should be the most powerful voice in your life. So yes, your sinful nature remains and tries to push you around, tries to tempt you, tries to have you think and say and do evil things, but you are free to live under this new ownership. You don't have to listen to the old landlord. Our new ownership, God's Spirit, lives within us to help us in the war against our old sinful nature. And just as that's true, it's also true that we have a part to play in this war. And, and so look down at verse 24. 
says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So what's our role in the war? What do we do to the flesh? It's right there in the verse. <laughs> what do we do? We crucify it. What is crucifixion? It's killing it. We put it to death. And how do we kill the flesh? Well, a few things. We, we get serious about our sin. We see it as God sees it. We stop justifying it. We stop excusing it. We stop sweeping it under the rug. We stop saying, well, at least I'm better than Declan, so I must be okay. <laughs> but we get serious with it. God calls it sin. God calls it an offense, and we should. So we see it as God sees it. Secondly, we get violent with it. Jesus talked about if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. He's not, he's not saying to actually do those things. Because if you did, you'd still sin. Because <laughs> your head and your heart go with you. But Jesus is saying, get ruthless. Get violent with this. Y'all, I fight a war every spring in my mulch bed with weeds. And it drives me crazy. I cannot win the war. But I do get violent. If I can't pull it up, I'm going in with a shovel. And if I, if I can't get it with a shovel, I'm going in with a hatchet. The weed will die. It will feel pain. And that's how we got to treat our sin. We got to get violent with it. We got to crucify it. And lastly, we got to replace it with what's good. If we just leave a vacuum there, other stuff, other sins going to fill that in. So we got to fill it in with what's good. Prayer, God's word community, like we were talking about before, obedience, worship, service. Fill it in with what is good. All who follow Jesus war against the flesh. And one of the best ways to war against the flesh is walking by the Spirit. So let's talk about walking with the Spirit. You see, God has not left us alone in this fight. He's left us His Spirit who lives within us to renew us, to guide us, to empower us. This text uses three phrases to help us understand how God's Spirit helps us in this war. First, verse 16, we walk by the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit. To walk by the Spirit means we live and we speak and we act by the power that the Spirit supplies. We live and we speak and we act by the power that the Spirit supplies. And so as Christians, we don't walk in our own strength or our own wisdom. That would be as futile as trying to work an appliance that's not plugged in. Y'all have heard me tell the story about my deaf sisters who we would unplug the vacuum and they would just keep going. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I know y'all are looking at me with disgust and disdain. <laughs> But every one of you would have done this if you had that opportunity. <clears throat> that appliance is only helpful and useful 
if it's connected to its power source. It can be the most deluxe, beautiful vacuum in the world, but if it's not plugged into its power source, it's no good. We walk connected to and dependent on our one power source, God's Spirit. And here's the takeaway. If you're in Christ, you have Holy Spirit power. I get that from this text. I also get it from Romans 8, where Paul, same writer, says this. He says, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you, Christian. What? The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you, Christian. There is no sin, no trial, no circumstance that's bigger than the Spirit of God. And so there is full hope and true power in walking by the Spirit. Second, we are led by the Spirit. You see that there in verse 18. And so think of the Spirit's leading like a shepherd leading his sheep. He guides us. He protects us. He feeds us. He knows us. He cares for us. And ultimately, he lays down his life for us like Jesus did on the cross. As we follow him, he leads us in what is good and right and true, and so we are led by the Spirit. And thirdly, we live by the Spirit. Uh, This is from verse 25, by the way. We live by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. This this phrase, keeping in step, is, is a verb, and it's a military term, which means staying in formation. And here's what one pastor said about this, and the quote's going to be behind you because it's a long one. Soldiers not only march in formation, but also run in formation. When they do, there is only one thing they have to worry about, which is keeping in step. They do not need to worry about where they're going or how they will get there. They don't need to guess how much further they have to go. Their commanding officer will give them their orders as necessary. The only thing soldiers need to know how to do is step in time. And it's the same way in the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is God's drill sergeant. It's his job to keep us in line. As he barks out the cadence, all we have to do is keep our place in formation, running in step with his commands. So how do we stay in formation? How do we run in step with his commands? I'm like nothing spectacular here. Simple yet supernatural and God-given means, and I've already mentioned them, God's word, prayer, Christian community. As you walk into a new semester and as you, as all of us start a new year, I can't think of a better trio of practices to commend to you than those three, word, prayer, and community. Give yourself to those, and I'm convinced you'll walk by the Spirit. And as you walk with the Spirit, something's going to begin to happen in you. And it's going to happen through you. You'll start to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Let me talk about that briefly, and then, like I said, the rest of the semester, we're going to unpack that. The fruit of the Spirit, and this is where we get it, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, that is what the Spirit produces 
is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. God's Word, this text, promises that those who walk by the Spirit will bear the fruit of the Spirit. That, that list of love, joy, peace, and so on. And so for all who follow Christ, these qualities will start to grow in you and then begin to flow out of you. And, and it's hard for me to imagine a more thrilling promise than what we just heard. Can you imagine... If there were more love and joy and peace and the rest of this list in this world. Can you imagine if God got hold of the 50 or 60 of us in this room and began to produce those things in us and through us, what a better place JMU, this city and this world would be. What a beautiful place it would be. And I, I know not perfect. I know not flawed. Like we're not going to get there till heaven. But it'd be a better place. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for JMU and for Harrisonburg this semester. And before we close out this section, notice a few things about these two verses. Notice that the word fruit in verse 22 is singular. And it's singular in the original. Like in the Greek language that it was written in, it's singular there. That's odd. Why? Because there's nine fruit that follow. <laughs> Did Paul just not know his grammar? By saying these are fruit and keeping it singular, Paul was saying that they're not optional for the believer. We don't get to pick and choose. Oh, I'm good at these three. I'm just really not good at that self-control thing. So you'll forgive me if I lose my cool anytime I talk with you. We don't get to pick and choose. All nine of these should be present and growing in the life of the Christian. Also notice that the fruit is fruit. I know, stating the obvious, but what I mean by that is it's not the cause. It's the effect. We don't bear these fruit so we can have the Spirit. No, we have the Spirit, and the Spirit brings forth these fruit. So fruit is fruit. And then lastly, notice this list as it's contrasted with the previous list. Did y'all see that? If you look back at 19 through 21, there's a whole list of things that we don't want, uh, I hope, don't want to be a part of. That first list might have been who we were and there might even be hints of that because, like I said, the old landlord hangs on. But that's not who we are. We might still struggle, but those things are dying. We're becoming the second list and we're killing, we're putting to death the first. And like I said, we are going to talk a lot more about these fruit, but you're going to have to come back. We're going to spend the rest of the semester taking one at a time. Let me close with trying to answer two questions that may be coming to your mind tonight or maybe have come to your mind in the past, in particular about the fruit of the Spirit. First, 
Will you ever master the fruit of the Spirit? Will you ever arrive in these things? To that question, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Which do you want first? <laughs> we should probably start with the bad news, right? I always like to end on a good note. Bad news is, no, you'll never master these. You'll never arrive. Not this side of heaven. You will always struggle. This stays in here. I'm 55. <laughs> I still struggle with all of these. Y'all ready for the good news? The good news is you will change. You will grow. I'm 55, but I'm not who I was at 21, 22. God will change you. So, so picture this road from redemption to consummation. Picture the Christian life as kind of a graph. And going upward in that graph is you're becoming more like Christ. Okay? And as that graph goes up, there are going to be dips. Like I said, sometimes it feels like you're taking a step or two or three or ten back. But the overall traje trajectory of the graph is moving upward toward Christ-likeness. Does that make sense? Y'all getting the picture I'm trying to paint? I would have had a slide, but I'm not good at art. So, yeah, <laughs> upward with some down dips. Got it? I'm better with hand motion. <laughs> Danny's back there trying to do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, talk. we'll talk later. <clears throat> Bottom line, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not what I was. And that's going to be true of you if you're in Christ. Second question. What if you don't see or feel the fruit of the Spirit growing in you? That's discouraging, isn't it? Well, two answers to that. First, welcome to the Christian life. I, I don't mean to be crass, but that's kind of the way it is. We don't go from sinner to saint in a moment. It's often a really long, hard, and sometimes painful journey. The fruit of the Spirit is dependent on God's power and promises, though, not our feelings. doesn't matter how we feel about it. God has said He's going to do this. God has said He's going to change us. So we take Him at His word, and He does. And often, you're the last person to see it. Terry and I had, had lunch with some friends this past weekend, and they have a little three-year-old and I think the last time I saw the, the little one was maybe six months ago. And I made the comment, man, Lana's grown like a foot since I've seen her. And it, it probably, like, I don't, I don't know that's it's a huge exaggeration because they grow a lot at that age. And he said, yeah, I guess she has. And I thought, yeah, of course you can't see it because you're with her every day. You don't see it. You don't notice it. But I, I'm kind of coming in from the outside and it's clear to me. She's growing like a foot. And, and I think that's often how it is in terms of our growth. Like it never happens at the pace we want it to. But trust God. Take him at his word. It's happening. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. He, he is doing something. My, I, I told you I had two answers to this one. Secondly, I, I do think there's this reality. If you never see any fruit... If you're always giving in to your sinful desires, 
If your life is more like that first list than the second, I, I do think it's fair, and I think the scriptures call us to consider, are you even in Christ? Like, is that where your hope and your trust are? Are you walking with Jesus? And if not, this is not a shame session. This is not a bash or a guilt session. This is an invitation. Come to Jesus. The hope that Christians have is the same hope that's offered to you, which is this, that he forgives us from our sin, all of it. He died to forgive your fallings and your failings. Don't wait another moment. Come to Jesus and put your faith in him. He can make you new. And that's really the only hope we have as we talk about these fruit of the Spirit, is that Jesus himself, by his Spirit, is working in us to make us new. And that's going to be our hope and our trust the rest of the semester. Let's pray. Father, thank you for how good your word is. Thank you for how it shows us your heart, for how it tells us about you and and how we're supposed to live before you. God, forgive us that we're not what you created us to be. Forgive us that we're, we're not what we're supposed to be. We're not even what we want to be. But Lord, we know that with you there is power and that you promise to grow us and to change us. And so that's our hope and that's our confidence. So Lord, I pray that each heart here tonight would go out of this room with that hope and that confidence. And Lord, if any come in here not knowing you, would they come to a saving knowledge of you? Put all their hope and their trust and full surrender in you because you're worthy of that. Lord, thank you that you give us your spirit, that we don't have to go this alone. So help us in all things to walk by the spirit and to be led by the spirit. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.